Thank you. Good morning. Once again, it's good to be back. Some of you may not recognize me because I just had a haircut yesterday. So I'm David, by the way. I introduce myself once again to you. Now I'm. I learned that you just came back from the camp, and I hope you enjoy、uh, the camp messages and the fellowship, and especially the food. Okay. And、uh, so we are continuing our series of our studies on the Book of Acts, and in fact, I was assigned to speak on this passage.、Uh, so there will be a little bit of overlap with what you have、uh, heard from Leslie, which she did a wonderful job. And、uh, so, as a way of introducing、uh, the chapter 14, I will、uh, recap、uh, a little bit about what we learned last time. And promise I won't spend a lot of time、uh, reviewing, but and then we will go on and move on to chapter 14. So in the last、uh, couple of months,、uh, you have done、uh, a couple of、uh, messages on the book of Acts, and you have looked at、uh, messages such as an unfinished task and beyond limits from chapter one of Acts. And you remember that, right? And also you did the, the first Pentecost and see how it applied to us. From chapter two of Book of Acts, and I also looked at and we learned early how early church grew and got persecuted uh, from uh, basically from chapter、uh, three through chapter seven, and to、uh, the last time I was here, I was talking about Paul's conversion, and two Sundays ago, as I said, you have you have learned、uh, from the first missionary journey of Paul. And Barnabas from Leslie, and as I said, she drew many wonderful applications for us. And today we will continue to learn from、uh, the missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas. And、I、apologize for the title; I only put Paul there, but it's actually a journey journey of Paul and Barnabas, and of course, along with John Mark. So. Let us review a little bit. Now, you will remember that from the、uh, previous sermon that the early church、uh, was a prayer-focused church, and there's no reason that we shouldn't still be a prayer-focused church. The text tells us that they met for a season of prayer and fasting, and eventually the Holy Spirit spoke to them to set apart two men, Paul and Barnabas. Of course, they took along John Mark. And after hearing the holy, the voice of the Holy Ghost, and they laid hands, or in a in a way to commission them, and to the mission field, and so that's what happened. And they, the both of them obeyed、uh, God, and they went to work. And again, I'd like to、uh, review what we've just learned. I think Leslie mentioned a very good point that it is important to obey God. And when we do, God will equip us to serve Him, which is the application we learned from last time. Now you will remember also from last sermon that being、uh, set apart, Paul and, Bar- Paul and Barnabas、uh, took along John Mark, which is the gospel writer of the Gospel of Mark, and so they set sail from the headquarter,、uh, Antioch, in Syria. By the way, there are two Antioch. Uh, two cities named Antioch. One is called Antioch in Syria, and later on you will you will learn another city called Antioch is located in present-day Turkey, which is Antioch of Pisidia. So they are 700 kilometers apart, but with the same name, Antioch 
in Syria, which is close to Israel, and Antioch of Pisidia in Turkey. Okay, so sail from Antioch in Syria to an island of Patmos, uh, sorry, island of Cyprus. Okay, so where is Cyprus? Well, Cyprus, fortunately, is also known as Cyprus today. So it's not hard to find uh, and locate the island. And so they uh, went to uh, uh, Cyprus, and which is 80 kilometers south of the coast of Turkey and northwest to Israel. You're northwest, okay? If you look at the map, you know where the Israel is? It's northwest of Israel and 80 kilometers south of coast of Turkey, present-day Turkey. I remember that it was on this island Paul and Barnabas preached in the synagogue. And then for, for your information, synagogue is where Jews gather together to worship. And the word synagogue means coming together or bringing together of people. So sin means together, God means gather. So bringing together of people in the synagogue so they worship. So whenever Paul and Barnabas went, they will look for synagogues. So that's where the Jews congregate. And it is a good chance, opportunity for them to preach the gospel there because there are a bunch of Jews there worshiping God, but not knowing that Jesus is their Christ. Okay? So, now do you know that, you know, uh, that Adelaide opened its first synagogue as early as 18, not 19, 1850. Right? So it's 51 years before the Commonwealth was formed in 1901. So I know my history, okay? So, so it's very early on, Jews arrived in LA and opened its first uh, synagogue. And it's actually located in Glenside. And uh, so it's wonderful. And uh, so Paul and Barnabas traveled through the whole island of Cyprus from one end to the east end to the other end. All right. So if you know your map, so from one end to the other end, it's called city of Paphos. But still in the, on the island of Cyprus, and by instance, on the western, uh, southwestern end of the island. So while in Paphos, they encounter two kinds of people. One is the, a false prophet. The other one is a sorcerer. So a pro false prophet, as Leslie mentioned, bar Jesus, uh, literally mean, you know, son of Jesus, or son of a savior. And then a sorcerer called uh, Elimus. So they do you know, all they could to prevent Paul and Barnabas from preaching the gospel because these people are basically, you know, con men trying to, you know, cheat people's money and donations. So if Paul and Barnabas went to preach the gospel, they would lose their business. So they all did all they can to destroy their work. And Paul, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at Elimus and, and struck him blind. Okay, so sometimes you wish you could have that kind of power. You know, to you know, strike somebody blind, you know, when he's preaching something, some heretical teaching. And uh, so, and as, a, and before, as a result of the preaching and the teaching, a Roman a proconsul, uh, proconsul, which is a, like a Roman kind of a ruler, uh, like a governor in the area, got converted. So once they left Paphos, which is the island in the island of Cyprus, they went north into the continent, all right? And this continent is today called Turkey. Sorry, sorry, not continent. The continent of Europe and Asia. So into the country of present-day Turkey, 
Okay, so Turkey is not a continent. Okay, Turkey is a country, but when they boom north, it, Turkey is a very interesting place. It sits right between two continents, European country, continent in your left, and your on your right is the Asia Minor. All right, so a very interesting place, and Turkey is, is what left off how we, what we know from history, the Ottoman Empire, all right, which has collapsed in 1922. So in the first part of the 20th century, a lot of things happened. In 1912, we learned about the collapse of what? Collapse of the Chinese, last Chinese uh, imperial dynasty, Qin dynasty. Okay, in 1922, the collapse of Ottoman Empire. So that's the background history, okay? So now, it was, you know, in the island, uh, when they arrived in the place of Paphos, uh, sorry, the, the, sorry, when they arrived in the new place and uh, John Mark uh, suddenly left the ministry, left the trip and returned to Jerusalem. Now, for some reason, he left the ministry or the, the, the uh, rather the mission trip. And uh, we do not know what happened to him. Maybe he was homesick. Maybe he missed his family or he was discouraged for some reason, but he left. But this incident was significant because later on, when considering going back for his second missionary journey to visit all these places, you know, Paul wanted, Barnabas uh, wanted to take Mark again with him, but Paul refused. And of course, then they spit later on. So Barnabas took Mark and then Paul to another companion called Silas. You will read that from the book of Acts. So we're talking about some applications there, all right? So while Paul wouldn't take John Mark, of course, um, Barnabas took him. And if we want to make an application of this incident, uh, this, this, this. Misunderstanding and conflicts do happen in a ministry or when you work with someone in the church, and you, they will, they're bound to happen, and with your co-workers, or your co-laborers. So it is a matter of if it happens, it is when it happens, it's bound to happen. So what happens when misunderstanding and conflicts happen? Well, we need to apply the principle or the commands that Paul has given us in Romans 12, verse 18, which is, if it possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so Paul says, if it be possible, that means sometimes it's not possible. And it is only possible when the party of fault sincerely apologized and repented of his faults, of sins against you. And then he can reconcile with the person. And then you should give him or her the second chance to do what's right or to restore uh, uh, your relationship with him or restore him, the person or her, uh, back to the service of God. So you see, over the years, I have made many mistakes. I'm grateful that you know, people have been giving me second chances. And so having said that, based on the text itself, it's hard to tell whether if John Mark has done anything wrong. We do not know because the text is silence. We only knew that Paul, uh, later on, you know, Solo accepted John Mark in, uh, in a letter that he wrote to Timothy. So we don't know what happened. So from Perga, and he, they, so Perga is another city, uh, one city in 
uh, present-day Turkey, they moved to Antioch, and this Antioch is not the Antioch in Syria, but Antioch in Turkey, called Antioch in Pisidia. Okay, so from Perga, they move on to, to Antioch. So when they depart from Perga, they went into the city and uh, say, you know, they, they went on to preach again. And again, this Antioch, the word Antioch is very interesting. If you look at the map today or Google a little bit, you will know that this Antioch still exists. But the name is a little changed a little bit. It's called, instead of Antioch, it's called Antakya. All right, Antakya. So it sounds almost similar to the original name because it is. I think they almost preserved the original name, Antioch Antakya, in present-day Turkey. So, as I said, this name is, is the city is very interesting and very special because it literally means, uh, you know, resistance, holding out against something. So, the city really has lived up to its name because Antioch in history, at least for the first few centuries, has been known as the stronghold of Christianity. It's been known as the five, one of the five centers of Christianity or, you know, or strongholds of Christianity, along with Rome, uh, Constantine, and Alexandria, and Jerusalem. So it's a stronghold of Christianity for centuries. So they went from Perga, Perga to Antioch in Pisidia, which is a stronghold of Christianity, and began once again teaching in the synagogue where the Jews congregate. So many Gentiles in these regions were receptive to the gospel in Antioch, and, uh, but that was a good thing. But what's no good is that they, uh, this upset, uh, uh, they upset the Jewish leaders there in the synagogues. So some, Jew did, some Jews did not like what Paul and uh, Barnabas preached. So the Jewish people were very against the gospel in those days. But many Gentiles were very receptive. And so, and so because, you know, this same thing happened in the gospel when Jesus was trying to preach the gospel uh, to the people, and these Jewish leaders tend to get jealous because they're kind of losing their influence and powers. So that's what happened. So because they aroused people to go against Paul and Barnabas, they chased them out of the city of Antioch and uh, in Pisidia, so they left the city. So what is the application there? Application here is just that, you know, when you go to a place or neighborhood or demography, you know, demography of people where they violently you know, reject the gospel, what do you do? You move on to go to another city, go to another place to preach the gospel. And Jesus said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, no offense here. Jesus' point is not to to equate these people who reject the gospel as dogs and pigs. The point is that you do not want to give something to people who, are, you know, who are, have no heart to receive, which is the gospel message. What do you do? Then you move on to another city and to preach the gospel message to another people in another city or another neighborhood. Okay, so that is the application there. All right. So, now, so they went from Antioch and Pisidia, now they move on to a city called Iconium, and Iconium today is known as Konya, right? Not Konya West, okay? So Konya is a city, present-day city, it's named in Turkey. So if you look at the 
texts in the Bible, all the cities that visited are uh, all located in the present-day Turkey. So you can, t- you can literally call the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas as the mission trip to Turkey. All right, so that's, what they, that's where they went. So from Antioch to Konya, you know, it's a great distance. And since they're on the run, and probably not on carriages, uh, it will have taken them about 31 hours on foot. All right? So who wants to walk from, for 31 hours you know, on foot? And I think not many people would do that. It's a very tiring journey, very challenging and very uh, physically demanding uh, journey. So yes, it was at Iconium, the Lord used Paul and Barnabas to bring many to saving faith. So wherever they went, and they, you know, the people received them, either Gentiles or Jews, but mostly Gentile people. So they made some converts in these cities. And at the end of chapter 13, conclude this verse, concluded with this verse, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So that leads to the, that has to lead us to the end of chapter 13, and we will move on now to chapter 14, which the stage is still the same. They're still in the city of Iconium. So in addition to speaking boldly about the gospel in Iconium, they also performed many, many signs and wonders and miracles. Once again, the same thing happened when they arrived in the city of Iconium. They got persecuted. And Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas fled to the surrounding cities of the Iconian cities. In verse 6, you will see two cities, Lystra and Derby. So the order is that they fled to Lystra first from Iconium, and then they got persecuted again. They fled to Derby. So Iconian, Lystra, and Derby. So they went from, they went from one city to another city to another city. They're all on the run. So it's, it's a tough job. And you know, sometimes we go to a mission trip and then we enjoy the food there and stay in the hotels. And, but it's, it's not like that in the first century. You know, everywhere you go, one city, you get persecuted, you go to flee to another city, and then after that, you get persecuted again, you flee to another city. And wherever they go, they're addicted to something. They're addicted to, addicted to preaching the gospel. And this is never, just, they just never know when to stop. It's a good thing, you know? So, so what happens is that when they arrive in Lystra, it's another about 32 kilometers south of Iconium. And when they arrive in Lystra, what did they do? They preached the gospel again. And as I said, they're addicted to good thing. But some, sometimes we're addicted to something that is not so good. Addiction is almost always bad thing. But if there's one thing that you can get addicted to is the preaching the gospel. All right, so everywhere you go, you preach the gospel. I know I'm not here. There, I'm not there yet, and, but I'm trying my best. I've shared the gospel to a taxi driver, to a salesperson, to a trace person, to even a member of cults. And sometimes the uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons knock on your door last time, and I used to preach the gospel, share the gospel with them. And even I share the gospel with Muslims, which is tough. And sometimes in in the course of our conversation, the, the, the transition may seem a bit awkward. You know, from one from conversation, you shift to, shift to a conversation about sharing the gospel, which is just very difficult. I remember I was talking with a car salesperson. I was, we were buying a new car two years ago. And uh, so the salesperson was telling me, hey, you know, this, uh, the warranty will last until 2027. 
So I look at the day 2027 and say, hey, you know, and I was telling the salesperson, say, hey, I'm not sure I'll be here still. <laughs> and they said, what do you mean? And they said, you see, I'm a Christian. I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. When he comes back, he will judge both the dead and the quick and the dead. And then, you know, I hope that, you know, blah, 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 you will receive Jesus Christ as Lord and serve personal Savior. And he looked at me and said, you know, yes, you know, I sent my children to an Orthodox school. I used to be an Orthodox. And I shared the gospel with him. And, of course, and I leave the rest to God. I did my job. I said, well, I just shared the gospel. And, and, and other times, and years ago, I was sharing the gospel with the taxi driver. So as a taxi driver, sometimes they ask you, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a pastor. So the taxi driver answered in reply, hey, so you're a shepherd of a sheep. <laughs> so sheep. So no, no, I'm not. A... So I explained, you know, what I was actually doing, you know, shepherding people. She was surprised, you know, and looked at me. And uh, so and I tried to share the gospel again with the person. And that was in Singapore because, uh, you know, most uh, a lot of Singaporeans, uh, taxi drivers, they may be coming from a Buddhist background or, or ancestor-worshipping background. So they share the gospel with the person. And every time they share the gospel with the person who, are, who is a Buddhist or ancestor-worshipper, they'll say, yeah, I'm a worshipper of God too. You know, <laughs> but they worship a different God, obviously. Sometimes it's an ancestor, sometimes it's a Buddha or something. Okay. So to be honest with you, I'm, I have not had any success in converting anyone yet. But again, I tell you, it doesn't matter. Our job is to share the gospel all right, and leave the rest to God. Yeah, do you agree with me? So let us preach the gospel. Wherever you go, uh, this addicted to preaching the gospel, to be addicted to preaching the gospel. Okay? So, so let us return to the city of Lystra. Remember, they went from Lystra to Derby. So, and so they're in Lystra. Paul and Barnabas met a lame man in, uh, from birth, and Paul healed him. And again, the Holy Spirit empowered Paul with the gift of healing, and so miracles were performed, but the people were confused. In the city, they're confused a little bit. So they thought, they thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods. You see, you must know that Lystra is a pagan city, and there were Romans there, the Greeks and Jews, and also other natives. So in those days, of course, the Romans and the Greeks have sort of the, the culture has sort of converged, so they believe in the uh, you know the pantheons and uh, and all the twelve Olympians and then uh, so if you watch the movie franchise and uh, obsessed with these movies such as uh, Percy Jackson has anybody watched a movie called Percy Jackson? No, none of you. Okay, I'm surprised. And so or Wrath of Titans, oh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay, so you will know Ares, the God of War, and then from Percy Jackson, you have seen, you know, Poseidon, the God of the Sea, and then, Ath Ath uh, you know, uh, it's just, uh, and also God of Wisdom, Athena, you know, and so all these gods were, you know, sort of Greek and Roman gods. It's more of Greek legend or mythology. Uh, mythology. Okay, so, so after Paul and Barnabas healed the lame man. And these people, instead of giving glory to God, they gave glory to their Greek gods. So they called Barnabas Zeus, which is what? The chief god of the pantheons. All right? so, and also they called Paul Hermes, which is a lesser known god in the Greek mythology. Okay? And of course, there were, uh, because the text says, because Paul was a chief speaker. 
And you know who uh, God, of, uh, God Hermes' job is? He was a messenger of the gods. So, and we got our word, English word, which is probably, you don't know this word very much, the English word called hermeneutics. Anybody know this word? Hermeneutics? Uh, Clifford would know this word. It's called the art and science of preaching. All right? So we got this word hermeneutics from this word Hermes, which is a messenger of gods. Interesting, right? So anyway, of course, Paul and Barnabas, you know, he quickly, they quickly corrected you know, them this uh, fault. And, of course, and then, then, of course, the Jewish leaders again and, uh, picked up this opportunity to persecute them. In fact, they picked up stones to stone both of them. But somewhat only one person got stoned, which is Paul. And we don't know what happened to Barnabas. Maybe Barnabas hiding in the corner, praying for Paul while he was being stoned. Uh, please, don't, please don't let him die. <laughs> we don't know what happened. So, but anyway, Paul got stoned, and they thought he was dead. So they dragged him out of the city and left him there. And, of course, then Barnabas later on you know, so met him outside of the city, supposed, and they went to another city from Lystra to, to Derby. So from Iconian, Lystra, and to Derby. Okay, so that was the that was the that was the order. So you know they again from Bistra to Derby. And uh, if you want to travel on food, not on carriages. On carriages will take you know will could actually take you for you know for about forty to fifty kilometers a day. But since they are on the run, I guess they are in the traveling on food. So you have taken them another two days. All right, to list it, to, to arrive in the city of Derby. So when they arrive in, when they, so after Derby, Paul and Barnabas returned to each place where they had preached Paul, you know, on false missionary journeys. And then they actually found up from Derby, they went back to all these cities like Iconium, Lystra, and Antioch to do one thing. He said, why did they return to these cities? They, from the city that get, they get persecuted because they were converts. There were new converts there. When they preached the Gospels, you know, people believed. Many Gentile believers believed, some Jews. They went there to encourage them and also set up elders there. All right, so the elders are there like overseers, like more like a pastors. So what's the application there? You know, the Paul and Barnabas did not just go there to preach and just go and to go. They went there, they were their spiritual fathers, so-called, right? So what, do, what does a father do? I know, you know, fathers that doesn't give birth, but it is the mother who give birth. But if, if you have a baby, what do you do? You want to be responsible to nurture them. Man. And so when you bring a person to Christ, for example, if you bring a person to Christ, make sure that you find someone to look after the person. Now, that person may be yourself, all right? And actually, we are, called, we are all called to disciples another person. But if you can't do that, make sure you find church leader, a pastor, an elder, or a preacher, or a staff worker, or a Bible teacher to nurture him or her or disciples the person so that person can continue to grow in the faith. So that's what they did. They went back to all the cities, to Iconium, Lystra, Antioch, from Derby, right? To, went back to all the cities to encourage them, confirm their faith, and set up elders so that these people can pastor them, to shepherd them, to help them to grow. So again, it is your responsibility, 
And if you can't do that, pass the responsibility to someone else so somebody, somebody else can help these people to grow. Now, so after that, they, they arrived. So they went from Derby to Iconium, Lystra, and Antioch in Pisidia. Right? So Pisidia, from Antioch and Pisidia, now they are making their way all the way back to Antioch in Syria, which is about 700 miles apart. A long journey, right? So when they go back, what did they do? They went back to, uh, when they went back to Antioch in Syria, they, uh, they gave a report uh, to the church that they, they originally sent them or commissioned them. Saying then, how do we call, what do we call this? We call this accountability. So this is another lesson we can learn. Is that, you know, if you are if you represent your church to go for a mission trip, whether a, a short-term mission mission trips like one week or two weeks, or even a long-term mission trip like a few months, six months, or even a year, your responsibility is to, at the minimum, is to write a report to report to the church that, that sent you. And of course, depending on what you do in the mission field, and if it involves finances, then you have to be accountable in how much you spend and where you spend your money. But at minimal, you need to write a report. We all are accountable, all right, so to a church. So that's accountability. So they went back, and, and then uh, I don't think they were giving any money to go to the mission field. Don't you think? Maybe they did, but you know, but the the minute that but they still wrote a report to report to what they did there. Now let's talk about distance. So we 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 went one round already from Antioch in uh, in Syria and then to Antioch in Pisidia and then back and forth, right? One round. So talk talk about distance. The total distance walked by Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey would be. 165 kilometer across Cyprus from Antioch of Syria, 500 kilometers more from Italia to Derby, another 500 kilometers for the return trip, as well as 35 kilometers each way from Antioch in Syria to Cilicia. Right? All these cities may not make sense, but I'll tell you one thing, the total uh, distance that they walk for their missionary journeys it's nearly 1,200 kilometers on foot. Then they didn't have, have a car to drive. So, you know, I don't think they're on the horseback. And uh, so they on foot, they travel 1,300 kilometers. And it would take actually 24 days just to travel these distances. But they spent actually about 12 to 18 months there for the first missionary journey. Now, all the cities, as I said, all located in the present-day Turkey. So again, we can call this first missionary journey the mission trip to Turkey. So having said that, I made some applications along the way. I would like to make five more lessons that we can all learn from Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey, then I'm done. Firstly, suffering and hardship are part of the call to follow Jesus. I'd rather four more, okay? Now, oftentimes, as believers today, we, uh, you know, we encounter uh, suffering, and uh, we wonder why God doesn't step up and rescue. And especially, and uh, if you look at Paul and Barnabas, you know, every almost every city they went, they get persecuted. Sometimes they get stoned, and so 
You see, but God has promised us something. Jesus has promised that in this world you will face trouble, and in another version it says you will face tribulation. John chapter 16, verse 33. 33. But he said, I have overcome the world. And but he has also he have also promised that he, I will give you peace in these tribulations and trials. So what that means is, is that true peace comes from above in and during your persecution. So peace is not as if you're living in, the, in, 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 your, in, your, in your life and nothing happens. Everything went, went in smooth sailing, a bit of roses. That's not true peace. True peace, you can experience true peace only when you are in sufferings and persecution, even trials, even in prison. You see how peaceful... Paul is when in prison when he wrote the, the book of Philippians. He said, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. You know, and so there will be persecution. And it's part and parcel of our calling. The Bible says we're all partakers of what? The sufferings of Christ. Right? So make sure that you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, you will go through suffering. It isn't an option. It is something that you, we will, we will, we will uh, experience especially for those who are serious about living his or her life for the Lord. And Peter says, if anybody is serious about living a godly life, well, he will what? He will definitely go through persecution, right? Unless you're not living a godly life and it doesn't bother you. But if you do, you will get persecuted. Secondly, praying and fasting open our ears to hear the Holy Spirit speak. It was while the early church was praying, worshiping, and even fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them to send out Paul and Barnabas along with John Mark. So however, you see, and so it is important for us to always be praying and always worshiping God and coupled with fasting to seek the will of God, especially when we are considering new ministry, and directions and endeavors, we need to spend even more time praying and fasting for God to direct us. So the time we spend worshiping God and in prayer will never go wasted. It is a place where the Holy Spirit aligns our hearts and our wills with the, with the hearts and will of God. So only when we do that, we can know the will of God and know what God wants us to do through us. And uh, so that is the only way. Thirdly, ministering and calling are best fulfilled through teamwork. And sometimes we don't like teamwork, right? We, we prefer to work alone, you know, like, you know, independently. And uh, perhaps the saying, no man is an island, has become too trite. We use this phrase too, 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 too many times. But it makes the point. And nowhere in the Bible we are commanded to, commanded to, uh, to be independent uh, apart from anybody, you know, so we just do this myself. I don't want anybody to help me, you know. And uh, so part of the reason why Paul's missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey was so effective and successful because it was a teamwork. And you see, Moses had someone, had Aaron, his brother, and because uh, he said he, was, he felt inadequate. And we know Elijah had his companion, his disciples, Elisha, so Elijah, Elisha, and he, he found his, uh, his disciples after he felt depressed, uh, hidden in the cave in Mount Horeb, so he was depressed and got burned out after he got chased by a crazy woman who wanted to kill him. So, and uh, so 
Everybody needs someone to encourage uh, him or her. So there are stories of missionaries who have gone out alone and, uh, and, and, and failed miserably. I'm not saying that it is always bad. Sometimes there's no, got no choice if you go to mission field alone. We have also pastors and preachers who, who value independence to the point they were no longer accountable. As a result, uh, they had moral failures or no longer in the ministry, got so discouraged, got depressed, they left the ministry. The truth is God honors teamwork and the design us for community. We need to work together along with a community of believers. Paul and Barnabas work as a team. So on the secondary journey, of course, as I said, Paul and Barnabas had a huge disagreement. So Paul said, no, I'm, gonna take, I'm not going to take Mark. And Barnabas, of course, took Mark, uh, Mark along with his second, second missionary journey again. But what did Paul do? Paul did not go alone in the second missionary journey. He took what? He took Silas. So Paul, Silas, one team, and now Barnabas and Mark, one team. All right? So it's a, it's a, it's a teamwork. And um, fourthly, dividing and multiplying are often part of God's redemptive plan. Again, I have already mentioned earlier a conflict uh, conflict on teams can be redeemed by God to further spread the gospel. And it's not always an ideal way to further the gospel. And um, sometimes, um, I hate to mention this, but sometimes the church may split, and then it's split into two churches. <laughs> so that's not an ideal way to grow, but God can redeem our human mistakes and to cause his gospels to grow further. And uh, so for Paul and Barnabas, they were supposed to be one team. Now, because the split, now they have two teams now, all right? So although it's not a good thing for them to have disagreement, but God can redeem their mistakes, all right, and make something good out of it. You understand? So I'm not saying that it's good to fight you know, among your brethren or co-workers. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But God can redeem that mistake and, you know, make it something good. So, uh, but as we know that if you read the Bible, right at the end um, in the Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul actually told Timothy to take Mark with you because he said he has been helpful to me or beneficial to me. So, Somewhat, you know, and uh, so, somehow, uh, somehow, you know, they reconciled at right at the end. So Paul and um, Mark were in good term. And but, as I said, if it be possible, uh, live at peace with everybody. And it is only possible when one the party at fault is willing to uh, apologize to make right with you. And for your part, you should always give the second chance to the people like Mark, okay? So that's what we learn from all the missionary journeys of Paul and Barnabas. Now, in conclusion, Paul's first missionary journeys was fascinating. And from his first miracle to his stoning, uh, from his bold messages and courageous, uh, 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 courageous encouragements for new believers, the entire journey reads like a, a well-written novel. But most important of all, most importantly of all, most important of all, uh, they are recorded for us to, to, to learn some lessons 
uh, lessons such as um, how to respond our calling from, to, uh, from God, about commitment, about spiritual gift, about dependence upon the Holy Spirit, accountability, discipleship, suffering, and conflict resolution, and also reconciliation and more. So may God help us. And there's this, this, this a lot more we can learn from the book of Acts, from, especially from this passage. But I believe that you know, we have learned enough, and I hope we can all put these principles into practice as we seek to become more like Christ and work together as a team. Okay? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to thank thee for your word and uh, show us that uh, we ought to work as a team, although uh, we are not perfect. And we pray that you will help us to humble ourselves uh, to be able to uh, admit our uh, deficiencies so that we may appreciate uh, the differences between uh, us and other people so that we may work as a team uh, to, your, to honor thee and glorify your name. I pray that you will help us not only to be hearers of your word, but help us also to be doers of your word. Help us to be more like Christ. Help us that we may all work together for the advancement of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.